Welcome to CMTW Podcast. This is uh, Joshua with Chinese Medicine Networks. We're in the new podcast studio. We have Michael Peluso, Rebecca Ong, and we are going to talk CMTW, TCM Gynecology, and a bunch of other topics today. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for this new podcast series that that we just started up. And who better to start with than Michael and Rebecca? Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Josh. So, uh, Michael, Rebecca, TCM Gynecology, how's that going? It's busy. We have a lot going on, all sorts of programs rolling out, and lots of content on the page all the time, lots of great interaction, tons of great practitioners participating. Yeah, it's growing really fast. The... uh... We've done completed two modules of the TCM gynecology program, the month-long program. Um, both great success, good reviews. Yeah, it's been a great opportunity doing the online programs. It's been interesting. It's a new format to be able to interact with people online from all over the world and, and people that are interested in this material. It's pretty great. For the people that don't know you or maybe are just being introduced to you, um, what what made you start in gynecology? What was the whole? What's your background? Well, background initially was I ran a I ran a pretty general medicine practice in Missoula, Montana, for a number of years, and it became increasingly increasingly obvious to me that the vast majority of my patient base was female, and they were coming in consistently with the the typical problems that plague so many women, which were menstrual disorders or perimenopausal disorders, and I think over time. I naturally began to treat more of that, and so my focus went more that way. And I had already learned herbal medicine through Bob Flaws, and so I was introduced to his specialty of gynecology through that program. And then I continued on and and completed the full uh, advanced training in gynecology through uh, Blue Poppy, through Bob Flaws. And then from there, it just took off. I realized it was something I wanted to do. It was something I was really naturally gifted and good at, and I realized that with Bob retiring and no one really filling that particular space that I would pick up where he left off and try to train as many practitioners as possible with high standards for better or for worse. <laughs> well, not everybody likes real high standards, but I well, think. and Bob had a very direct way about him and that's kind of, I think, I mean, so what the deal is here, we're introducing Michael and Rebecca, a lot of, Rebecca and Michael, long-time CMTWers, I guess. That's kind of a mouthful. That's a new thing. That's a new thing, right? Yeah. And, it is uh, now. It San is. Diegans, CMTWers. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Michael uh, obviously was there for the beginning of CMTW when we really just kind of crashed on the scene in some big... A sensational, maybe obnoxious way, according to some people, but we had to shake up the field. Rebecca, you were there early from the get-go, too. Like, Not from the very, very beginning, but pretty early. Yeah. You were a very early member. I mean, we started yeah. the group in September of 2015. And yeah. Becky, I think you were on pretty early after that. Either that winter or yeah. early 2016. Mm-hmm. But what we found was we just... And there were so many problems in the field that we thought we were passionate about. We were really just upset about, and then it just exploded. And um, 
a lot of other people have the same problems. So here we are, and fast forward it now. Um, so I want to try to introduce you both again and give get a little background. But that's your practice background. You you at some point decided that's it, gynecology. That's it. I don't care. I'm not going to take any other cases. Um, you do take a couple family cases. Take my dad. But thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, you know that's true. God forbid. I, I, I do still take a few non gynecology patients but uh yeah i mean at one point i I just really thought to myself if you really really want to get good at something then that's what you need to devote as much of your time resources and studying to and so i i went that direction and it's a little scary when you when you move in toward a specialty because there's a little bit of doubt in your mind about whether or not it's going to work whether or not it'll you'll make it and you know, I can't paint a perfect picture like it just exploded and was awesome. I, I got very lucky um, in a sense. I was putting it out there into the universe. I'd started TCM Gynecology and I was hired at CNY Fertility. So I was able to essentially fall right into a role where I was able to practice nothing but gynecology uh, as it pertains to not only menstrual disorders, but to fertility disorders. And it gave me an enormous exposure to a very specific patient base that let me get really, really good at my craft. And that has been passed on now to all the TCM gynecology participants on the group and the program. Yeah, it's uh, pretty crucial. That's one of the things we've been pushing is specializing. And what you see is we actually had a podcast on this. I think it's on the, it's on iTunes and Stitcher right now. One of the things that we talked about was like, how many specialties do you have? You know, like five, six. I mean, yeah, you have to start off as a GP at some point, but then you have something that you gravitate towards. And I think Rebecca, what what was your, did you feel like you specialized in something? I mean, my specialty has been orthopedics right. for the past several years. The better because you're assisting classes. Right. You know, so. <laughs> and, and, you know, that was the kind of thing that really kind of honed it in for me as well, where you get that yeah. exposure to this one thing you do. Yeah. I started out as a general practitioner and I still more or less am, but um, the thing with orthopedics, though, is that it is very acupuncture heavy, um, yeah. but I am a trained herbalist as well. And that's where I also, you know, it was a struggle for me because I didn't want to lose my herbal practice. Um, and I feel like orthopedic acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine, it's almost like two different medicines entirely. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it's always been like kind of a, a, a bit of a struggle to, as because I can understand, like pick a specialty and you'll get really good at it. If you have too many quote unquote specialties, you're not going to be good at any of them. Um, so it has been a, you know, my herbal practice did fall off as I got more mm. specialized into orthopedics. Um, but, you know. But your orthopedic picked up, like your orthopedic practice picked yes, up. it did. And so like, you know, I made that decision and then actually, um, but I always stayed on top of making sure that I was still very competent in herbal medicine. Um, because as, as an orthopedist, you know, well, acupuncture in general, that's what brings people in the door. Mm -hmm. Generally people are not coming to you for herbal medicine. They don't know anything about it. So I actually was able to convert a lot of patients being an orthopedic specialist. And then a lot of them being women, I mean, um, you know, female athletes, who are also struggling with, for example, their menstrual cycles um, or hot flashes or um, other kind of internal medicine conditions. So I was actually able to, you know, kind of convert them. And, you know, 
almost run like two concurrent practices or parallel practices where I would, you know, fix them up with the orthopedic acupuncture and then, you know, also, you know, address their internal medicine needs. So that's the beauty of it. I mean, we, we, patients come in for one reason and then you can, if you can get them better with orthopedics, Mm -hmm. oh, what else can you do? How many patients have we had? They come in and you're like, you're working on them for a while, and then they 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 bring up something yeah. that they've had for years, and right. they're like, oh, you you can help with that, and you're like, okay, right. And I didn't really use acupuncture much for internal medicine, <laughs> so no. um, that was really the only way I was addressing yeah. internal medicine was with herbs. Well, so. one of the things that we want to expand on is is the herbal medicine practice. A lot of herbalists. I mean, Michael, you ran a poll on on I think it was CMTW. This was before TCM gynecology started but um you ran a poll how many herbalists out there like what percentage of your patients get herbs and it was the majority of people said 25 percent or less yeah it it was really it was eye-opening yeah the fact that i've always found really interesting and that's that most chinese medicine physicians spend all of their time i can't say all of their time but a vast majority of their time in school focusing on the memorization of hundreds of individual herbs, you know, potentially hundreds of formulas that they then have to be able to know absolutely cold only to then graduate, get out into the real world and realize it's acupuncture that we have to depend on primarily to get people in the door. And then I think over time, the knowledge that they acquired in school from all of the herbal training just starts to fall by the wayside. Um, and that's mm-hmm. really sad to me because the vast majority of your schooling is in one direction, which in my opinion is the heart and soul of Chinese medicine, herbal medicine. Um, and, and then we over rely on acupuncture to get the job done where herbs are clearly the better choice. Right. Yeah. To be able to do both like you did, Rebecca would have the acupuncture and the herbal medicine. It's, it's really important, but you know what? I mean, look, we already have a problem educating the public and our patients, getting them in the door, what to say to them. Um, the herbal medicine is even more difficult, isn't it? Absolutely. So what what have, uh, what have you done? What have both of you done to address that? Like, how do you, how do you address, like, what, what deficiency, deficiencies do you see in, the, in that and how do you address it? I know you've done, well, you've done some stuff in the past, so this is kind of a, you know, we know, but what, what for the people out there, what? Rebecca? Well, I think... You know, using myself as an example um, with, you know, it's easy to let your herbal practice fall off. Um, Mainly for me, it was because I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't studying up on, it was really like, as Michael always hammers out, it's all about the basics and um, like basic diagnostic skills. Once you have a good solid diagnosis, you should be, even if you don't have all of your formulas strictly memorized, we have tons of books, but if you have a good, you know, diagnostic skill, if you have good diagnostic skills, you should be able to look up, you know, what formulas are appropriate for this pattern differentiation. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's where for me, um, my basics weren't that great or I let it kind of fall off. once I started getting better at that, then my herbal, you know, herbal medicine practice started, you know, reviving. So I think that's one thing is that people just aren't, um, they're kind of skipping a lot of steps and then they're, uh, they're prescribing off of a poor, you know, poor diagnostic skills and then it doesn't work. 
And so then they lose faith in the medicine and, you know, and then also keeping, if you want to do an in-house pharmacy, you got to keep that inventory. And if it's not working for you, you're not making money off of it. It just starts collecting dust. <laughs> and so then you're just like, you know, screw this. I'm going to go, I'm just going to focus on acupuncture because, you know, this herbal medicine thing is basically too hard and it's not profitable. Or I'll that's, do functional medicine. Or I'll do functional medicine. And that's something actually, thank you. That's actually something that I did. That's another road that I went down is because I, I wasn't getting results with internal medicine. Um, acupuncture I knew was not enough to address all of these concerns. And so I was, I started looking for other answers and I actually started getting into functional medicine. Um, I took a program, which I kind of, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the program, but I, I kind of, I, I affectionately call it at functional medicine light. Um, but interestingly, I, I took the program and the more I got into that, the more I actually started leaning back towards Chinese medicine because Chinese medicine is the original. It is functional medicine. It's like the original functional mm -hmm. medicine. Mm -hmm. oh. um, I like functional medicine. I appreciate it where they are also trying to get to the root of the disease um, and not just treating the symptoms. But I always felt that the administration, um, specifically the supplementation recommendations, the prescription, was so clunky. Like, no different than an MD just throwing out drugs for this disease and a drug for this disease, except instead it's a supplement for this, mm -hmm. you know, for cortisol dysrhythm and a supplement for leaky gut and a supplement for, <laughs> so then I'm not kidding because like this, this program you were using yourself as your own patient. I was taking like two handfuls of supplements three times a day and I'm awful at taking pills in the first place. And I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm like, why would I be taking two handfuls of really expensive supplements would, when I could just do one really nice, elegant herbal formula well, and that's kind of that. what i was going to say it's, it's not as refined it's as not Chinese as refined medicine. it's not as refined in these supplements i mean not only the amount of supplements that you're taking but also like i mean these things have to be trashing your gut it is not taking into account at all what we take into account in chinese medicine with like temperature or mm -hmm. I, again it's not even like pattern differentiation you know it's just going back to oh you have um high cortisol at night so you take this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, uh, so it just made me realize like, wow, why would like, this isn't a better, no, I mean, better. there's labs, like the labs are kind of cool because like, I can see how if you have a nice, like visual, um, representation to show your patient. So like a before and after sure, yeah. that can be, you know, you know, that patients love that. And as a practitioner, you love that. You want to make sure that, you know, there, there's some different, you know, there's some progress happening. Um, so I can understand the attraction in that sense, but you know, I just really didn't, I wasn't impressed. Well, one of the, <laughs> it's, it's, this is a, yeah, this is a whole other topic that we might as well hit on because one of the things with CMTW, TCM gynecology, we've spent time not only having the group for over four years now and seminars and all this stuff, webinars and, we look back and we see where, what are the problems? What are the problems that are endemic to the field, that are rampant in the field? Where have the schools fallen short? We won't even 
touch that topic right yet, but we can say <laughs> it's for a whole sure. Other that, podcast. Yeah. There's been many podcasts on that. <laughs> yeah, there have been many. Yeah. Some of those we don't have up any longer. But um, there are so many problems that you're just like, Chinese medicine is so underutilized because people aren't confident in using it. They don't know how to use it. They try, they don't know how to prescribe herbs. We had somebody in the group. And, you know, we get we get called hard asses, but you know what? So be it. Because there have to be standards and there has to be respect for Chinese medicine. If you're coming in and doing some quasi-diagnostic system that that you're based on basing on how to prescribe your herbs, like muscle testing, that's not Chinese medicine. What what are you doing? The system is so good, and you have comp- both of you have such confidence in it because you've gotten to that point where you know, and others, many others have, but there are so many others that, well, it, it, there's so many problems here. So we can go into initial training. It wasn't real world. There wasn't enough of an internship. There wasn't enough, you know, um, seeing in school, the successes, how to talk to patients, how to sell herbs. Cause you're really selling yourself. You have to convince them, um, how to diagnose properly. So let's just stick on that topic right now, how to diagnose. There's a serious deficiency in just being able to apply the basics. Yeah, I mean that's that's really the heart and soul of my entire work. If you think mm-hmm. that my work is based on gynecology, you're not paying close enough attention. The reality of it is, I'm showing practitioners how to essentially apply the core basics of Chinese medicine in a rational, systematic, and coherent way to any given situation that might walk in your door. The examples I use are from my own practice, which happens to be a specialty in gynecology. But you can apply the principles that I teach in any gynecological course to everything from respiratory tract problems to digestive disorders, because in the end, Chinese medicine is that sort of totality in terms of how it views things. So the reason why it seems easier for people who have been practicing longer is because if they're really worth their salt, they've gone back and identified the areas where maybe they slipped or areas that maybe uh, they were deficient to begin with, and then they decided to spend a little time remediating. And that seems to be a bad word, especially sometimes we get plagued by our egos a lot and we think that we know everything. And the idea of admitting that we're weak in a certain area, uh, it really becomes detrimental to your patients. And, and so you have to swallow your pride a little bit and realize, wow, I really don't remember the three organs that engender blood. I don't remember the three organs that engender chi. I don't remember the three organs that control the blood. If you know some of those core basics and you remediate there, when someone comes into your clinic, it allows you to shortcut that by keeping that in your RAM. And then you can spend more time with them on a one-on-one basis. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that spending less time trying to fill your brain with things you've memorized in terms of like specific Mm -hmm. protocols and spending more time understanding key um, fundamentals and knowing these fundamentals cold and the way they interplay with each other and understanding pathomechanisms, starting with understanding how the physiology works will pave the way for you understanding how the pathological changes in the physiology occur and what those look like in terms of symptoms in the patient. That allows you to immediately make a quick deduction without having to obscure your clinical picture. Mm. So a lot of people may just jump the gun. Someone comes in and they sit down and they're like, oh, I have a stomach ache all the time. And they might jump to spleen chief acuity or they might jump to stomach fire. But my question to you immediately would be like, what are the signs, symptoms, tongue and pulse of spleen chief acuity? Mm-hmm. What are the signs, symptoms, tongue, and pulse of stomach fire? Is that patient in front of you presenting with any of those corroborating signs and symptoms that will verify or confirm your hypothesis? Or are you just leaping Yeah. because they have acid reflux? You think, oh, stomach fire. Well, 
there's actually any number, any, any number of five or seven patterns that could result in the Western disease presentation of acid reflux. Stomach fire being one. What about hot flashes? Hot flashes and always, always yinvacuity. Yeah, yinvacuity is a possibility, but yinvacuity is almost always the last step of a very logical evolution yep. of patho changes like spleen chi vacuity and then liver blood vacuity and then kidney yang vacuity and kidney yin vacuity. And very often, five or six different patterns are present at the same time in a hot flashes patient. And sometimes it's not even vacuity. And sometimes it's not even vacuity. Now, we, one of our colleagues just treated a um, couple weeks on herbs. Not one. Um, I don't know what you'd call it. I, I don't know the lingo. I'm trying to use the correct lingo here so that we have consistency, but not, it was all herbs that were for repletion. Oh, um, there were no deficiency or vacuity herbs so in there supplementing and none. And it was, a, and the hot flashes cleared up in a couple of weeks. So that patient less. was presenting clearly a repletion right. or an excess pattern. So if you went in there with this assumption that you learn basically in school, like there, there are statements of fact in Chinese medicine, but the ones that people leave school with are not statements of fact. They're just like, you know, shortcuts trying to just, you know, Oh, it's always this. And so, and what I like about what you're doing is it's like, where's the proof? Mm-hmm. Where are you getting it? Because what you do see also a lot of those cases is people saying, well, there must be. I, have, I think that there's a touch of this. Yeah, that's completely Ooh. illogical in Chinese medicine. It, it's like, right. well, and then you, and you say, well, why, why, mm-hmm. why are you saying that? And, and, and I had a, I had a Chinese uh, teacher, Dr. Fu, and she was brutal in case studies and I loved it. Because she would do exactly that. Why are you saying that? And then you'd want to crawl in your... No, nobody wanted to be the first one to answer. <laughs> you know? And then if you did and you were wrong, you just kind of slid under your desk like, oh, boy. <laughs> well, because but that's professional good Chinese go. medicine has standards. Mm-hmm. It comes from the People's Republic of China. At least the vast majority of the way that we're trained in the United States is, is what we call TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. Right. comes from mainland China. And in mainland China, there are published standards for everything. Standards for how we speak to each other as physicians, standards of how we take notes, standards of how we diagnose, standards of how we treat. I mean, all throughout, I think it was the 50s and 60s, there were entire groups of physicians that were gathered from all over China that basically agreed upon standards for diagnosis of things like liver depression, chi stagnation, or spleen chi vacuity, or kidney yang vacuity. We have these standards that are agreed upon by the profession. So when someone says... I just feel like there must be some underlying kidney yang vacuity. My question to you is, well, there are published standards that we agree on as a profession of signs, symptoms, tongue, and pulse for kidney yang vacuity. Mm-hmm. I need you to show me at least two, three, or four of those in order to create the pattern. The pattern is, by definition, something that is manifesting in your patient, so it can't be asymptomatic. Right. A disease could be asymptomatic. That's what flaws always emphasized. You could have, I, I used this example the other day, you could have asymptomatic herpes, but you cannot have asymptomatic wind heat right. or wind heat dampness. Each one of those patterns, by its nature and by definition, has to be manifesting or showing signs and symptoms. That's what a pattern is. Mm-hmm. So you can't have something that's asymptomatic that's a pattern. Rebecca, what were your um, hang-ups with herbal medicine when you first graduated, and how did you overcome those? Um, my hang-ups with it. Um, actually, well... What prevented you from being... Like, you you see on the group, you've been on the group for four years now, mm-hmm. and you kind of see the evolution of things and things that we've kind of harped on. Were those true in your practice as well? Or did you have other... I think my struggles with when I first graduated, because I did have 
I did have an in-house pharmacy right off the bat, and I was doing it the way that we did it, our, our pharmacy in school um, did, where it was all single granules, and so you actually had to, like, make, you know, your formulas from scratch, which mm-hmm. isn't bad, which is not a bad thing, but it that's a big inventory. You know, it's a big, um, uh, you know, immediate, you know, um, investment right off the bat when you have, like, no money. Mm-hmm. Um and then when you're not that busy, because when you first graduate, you don't have that many patients, um, you're holding on to all these herbs that are just kind of collecting dust. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, though, and I was going to say this because it reminded me when Michael was, or when you were asking earlier about like you know being in school and kind of skipping steps and whatnot, or when you get out. My program, you know, I went to NISA, and I actually will give them credit. I thought we had a very good education. And actually, I was way stronger with diagnostics right out of school. Um, And here's the thing, and and I've talked about this with Michael before, is that a lot of practitioners, they will skip steps. Like when you were in student clinic, they made you sit down and actually write out the patterns and your treatment plan. Like, write it every time. And how many people in practice right now are doing that? Mm-hmm. How many of you actually sit down, write out a case <laughs> with like your patterns, um, your pattern diagnosis, and then the appropriate treatment plan for those? And I'm, I seriously doubt many people are doing that no, still. I and I think it's because when it was in school, you were tired and you were like, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> want to, you know, and like, this is basically like, I can't wait to graduate so I don't have to do this crap anymore. Yeah, but that that is... But that is what keeps your skills up. So there, and, and that's a good point because... I mean, doctors do case write-ups yeah. for all of their yep. patients. And it's... We shouldn't be any different. And it's what keeps your skills up. And it keeps your notes clear. And it keeps your mind clear. And, um, and it keeps you, like, keeps you in the habit of properly pattern differentiation and, and also, you know coming up with your treatment plan. So, um, I think that's what, I think that's a problem too, is that like people kind of got a little lazy because there's this mindset. It's like, Oh, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm going to, I'm not a student anymore. You know where we really are students. We are never, we're, we are always going to be students. That's a really good point. And that's a really frustrating thing about this profession is that we're perpetual students, but <laughs> the, <laughs> you know where you see that on the groups because number one, people to ask, and it's this is better now. It's gotten better, and this has been a tough thing to balance because we had we get you know people saying, "Well, I'm too intim- intimidated to post on the group. I don't know what you know, uh, you know what's gonna if I'm going to be like, not not ridiculed, but like you know slammed or something on the group because of it." But first of all, oh well, because you can't ask a Chinese medicine treatment for a Western medical disease. That's really slowed down on the groups, almost stopped basically, because we, you just don't do that. There is, that's not how you work. That's not how you treat in Chinese medicine. So that, that's one big thing that's had to change. But the other thing too is sometimes people ask, uh, they'll put a case study up, but they won't have a pattern. So they're putting the cart before the horse. That's what we found too. It's like, okay, here's a patient that comes in and we're also working on writing this is a really good point, Rebecca, because we're really working on trying to get people to like post really good case studies with all the necessary information from the four examinations. Um, 
and it's gotten better. And there are some people that post amazing cases and Mm -hmm. it's just repetition really. So you get practice with it, but you know, you look and you're like, I want this treatment. You don't even have a pattern. What you're asking for is the pattern. So let's back it up. So while this is, all these are educational opportunities in the groups. We want the group to be, you know, an educational format platform to raise standards. We're not looking to, uh, you know, if, if you take it that way, that, that we're too, that we're hard ass. Well, we want, you know, then that's, that's, we're trying to raise the standards and that's another thing. Standards is an ugly word in Chinese medicine, but there has to be. I don't know. I feel like we temper justice with mercy though. I think that if you make a solid effort and you present a case study that's coherent to the best of your ability, Mm -hmm. then we're all too eager to help. Oh, absolutely. But I think the word is out now that Chinese medicine physicians, you'll never hear me use the word acupuncturist, but -hmm. Chinese medicine physicians should be held to the same standard that any other physician should. We should hold ourselves to the standard. I hold myself to that standard and I hold my students and have high expectations of those standards. If you come in and lazily throw a question out, like how do I treat you know, herpes simplex one with Chinese medicine, then you're going to get an equally um, ridiculous answer, Yeah. which sometimes might be a bit snarky, but you know, I don't, and some people would say, well, that's not really that helpful. And, and you know, my, my thought about that is like too damn bad, you yeah. know, like, because what ends up happening oftentimes is they'll say that. And then I'll come back with something like, can't even begin to discuss this until you post a proper case study yep. and give us your ideas about potential patterns. And then they'll come back in about an hour with this complete beautiful case study that was sitting on their desk the whole time, which to me only means you were too lazy to actually produce the material to help your colleagues help you. Mm -hmm. You deserve a little kick in the ass. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, if it's too much, uh, it's, it's, it's too bad because the professions at stake here, we're always looking to raise, raise the conversation, raise the dialogue, raise the, the, the qualities, uh, standards. So, um, so that that's a big thing that we see. Sometimes people do come back with a case study. Sometimes people aren't sure. Okay, well then let's right. work on that. Yeah, if you put up like yeah, like you said, if you make an attempt and then just say like I'm having some trouble coming up with a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Not like be a you know what I mean? Not be a Absolutely not. I mean, or but, yeah. But what are you trying to ask? Exactly. Oftentimes it's you know, uh, and now what we're doing now in CMTW is um and I'm sure maybe you've done this too. It's like, okay, what are you asking? The meta question. Yeah, what What's are you really being asked? What do you right? You know, let's let's back up here and, and say, are you asking? Uh, hey, uh, you know, but you you can't come on without any information. No, and, expe- and, and the, you know what? The other thing that drives me nuts and drives us crazy too is those types of posts will all they're going to result in are guesses. They're just guesses. And I don't want that. I don't want a hundred comments that are just, well, it could be this. It could be that. That's a waste of time. And it's, it's not productive at all. And you're on, then you're on the same witch hunt you were on before. You've got all this possibilities, but you haven't even gotten the diagnostics down because it's all about the diagnosis. That's all at the end of the day. And the more information you have in a very targeted and systematic and coherent way, mm-hmm. the better your diagnosis will be. Now, be careful because I really do mean what I just said. The more information you have in a targeted way, the better. I didn't say the more information you have, the better. And that's a mistake that students make and even experienced practitioners make. They gather unlimited amounts of information. It's an exhaustive intake. And that really yeah. does not clarify the clinical problem at all. A much more targeted intake whereby 
each question you ask should be very deliberate in your mind to either confirm or deny mm -hmm. the pattern that you suspect. If you suspect spleen chief acuity, you would want to go down a line of questioning that would confirm or deny the presence of that. Same thing with kidney yang, same thing with lung chi, same thing with heart chi. You wouldn't just ask random questions willy-nilly, fill up your intake sheet, and then look at it and say, I have no idea what to do here. Right. Because it's just a ton of information that's completely chaotic. One of the things that Chinese medicine physicians are trained to do, especially in China, is to use statements of fact to justify their treatments and to justify their reasoning behind their treatment. So like Chris Velesky, we were talking about Jin Zhao. Sometimes he'd be in clinic with him and he would say, oh, the patient has this, this, and this. And Chris is like, well, how did you come to that conclusion? Jin Zhao was able to go back, having not said anything, so it seemed as though he was just skipping steps, and justify every single step along the way of his clinical reasoning and back mm -hmm. up everything that he said. That's what we should all aspire to do and also be able to do. Yeah. It doesn't, if you don't say it out loud in the clinic over time as you practice, then you can, I, I'm using air quotes right now, skip steps. You're not really skipping steps, but you're just, you're, you have a more streamlined way of presenting the information. But you should, at any given moment, should a student or a colleague ask you why you are doing what you're doing, you should be able to string together statements of fact and all sorts of clinical reasoning that allow you to arrive at your treatment from a very rational and conclusive way. Master the basics. Master the basics. Repetition. Case studies. The most complicated cases you will ever come across in the clinic, and it doesn't matter if it's a huge, scary-sounding Western term like hemochromatosis, makes no difference at all. It may just, if the signs and symptoms are present, result in, say, spleen chief acuity and liver depression and kidney yang acuity or something like that. It, it doesn't matter, and that's the thing. We, we get scared by the big words, and we, we go running down that path. Yeah. If you pull it all back home and you say, okay, that's fine. They have a diagnosis of, quote-unquote, or hemochromatosis. Okay, no problem. I'm, I'm going to set that aside, and I'm going to ask you, what are your symptoms? And then from there, you begin the process of, okay, well, what in Chinese medicine is responsible for those mm. symptoms? And then you look to confirm or deny, you know, the handful of patterns that might be driving that. The other thing that we want, I wanted to avoid the group and turning into was, we, <laughs> I can't wait to do future segments on this too, because this is so important. Um, but People hop in and want to offer advice having no information at all. Right. So what we'll do now in a lot of posts that don't have enough information or a case study at all, we'll turn off comments because no reasonable person will ha has enough information to make a call on what to do to treat this patient. Right. It's insane. It's irresponsible and dangerous. It, it is. is. So we'll turn off comments and we'll say, come back with more information. You know, we don't want there to be a ton of guesses in here. And then it then it turns into the non-Chinese medicine treatment options, which we don't need anyway um, because it's Chinese medicine group. Some of it gets through, whatever. But, you know, the, generally speaking, we don't want, you know, like one of the things that started Chinese medicine that works was an, uh, an accuse on Facebook was a uh, post and it had 125 comments and 124 of them were not Chinese medicine. And it's like, that's insane. But there are a lot of other issues tied up into there that we're going over right now. One being like posts that don't have enough information, then you're not going to get good comments. And then people do are now coming back and they're like having tongue pictures. That is now a educate. This is a really good educational moment for a lot of people. And so everybody benefits when there's more information and more care taken into presenting these things. Yeah. And I think people actually want that. That's the one thing that I will say is that 
I can't tell you how many private messages I've received from since I started TCM Gynecology thanking me for holding people to higher standards. Mm -hmm. At first, mm -hmm. it seems like the groups get quieter because no one wants to say anything. Right. Uh, but then what ends up happening is the people that do comment are rising to the occasion. And they're producing beautiful case studies that are coherent. And we work through them together. And everybody who's watching, and I have no problem with people lurking and learning and watching and visiting the page. That's not an issue. Um, at first, I was concerned that, oh, well, maybe I'm dropping the hammer a little right. too hard. Right. But I've had so much, um, it's been so, um, I guess it's really just been reinforcing the idea that I'm on the right track. When I get messages from people saying, I like how you held that person to that standard. Mm -hmm. I like how you didn't let them go when they were arguing with you and you came back with statements of fact or reasons why they need to be looking at things. Mm -hmm. That just lets me know that I'm on the right track. Yeah. Sure, there's going to be people that are angry and frustrated and pissed that I'm not just spoon feeding them the answers that they're looking for because I think that's why people come to Facebook a lot of the times. So they yeah. go to forums and they're like, quick, patience on the table, what do I do? Yeah. Well, Granted, CMTW did start that way as us offering a lot well, of... A lot of those acupuncture, though. Yeah. yeah. Chinese medicine, in terms of herbal medicine and internal medicine, requires a bit more thought. It requires more diligence. It requires more intelligence mm -hmm. to really think through the are problem. Are you saying that acupuncturists are not intelligent? Yes, that's what he's saying. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's that's exactly what I took from that. You know, by the My way, silence could be taken that, wrong. So what, no, what, unequivocally, I'm not saying that. that. Is what I don't know. After your, after your last post about your wife is hot, I I'm finding that you're, <laughs> you're really a misogynist son of a bitch. I do love when when posts are simultaneously, you know, made, the example is, is is lived up to. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. wow, it's like you you miss the point and prove the point simultaneously. It's like the most amazing thing it's like the whole point of that post was in fact to shake up patterns and disrupt patterns and someone mm -hmm. actually did make the comment that my my gut reaction to this which is a pattern is x and i was like that's interesting because the pattern disrupt actually activated your pattern remember that post we had right. in the group too um where somebody was using muscle testing for herbal medicine to, to, to prescribe herbs and people were getting on them like what are you doing where do you get this from and oh, yeah. You know, the person had supposedly graduated the top of his class, and anyway, he was getting a little bit defensive, I, I guess understandably so, but we were we were going to hold his feet to the fire because what are you doing? And um, people felt they themselves became offended that we, we were holding Chinese medicine to a higher standard. Yeah, we're going to get on this person. I'm sorry, but, and it was great. He had actually had a great sense of humor with it, and he's still on the group. It wasn't, it didn't even come to that. It wasn't anything like that. And uh, he ended up making jokes at the end, and it was good that, you know, that that dialogue can happen, and it's not always just like a tumultuous thing, you know? But we weren't going to stop, because we, this is not Chinese medicine, and we're going to keep you to Chinese medicine, and people actually got offended by that, and I know that one person left the group, said, I don't feel safe here, left the group. I went back and I looked at this person's post that they had put up on the group, every one of them were supportive, helpful, right. <laughs> understanding, but you don't feel safe because we're going after this person or we're not even going after him. We're just questioning him and holding him accountable for him bastardizing, <laughs> bastardizing Chinese medicine. And it's like, we, you're not always going to be everything to everyone. If you don't feel safe in an environment that might hold your feet to the fire, which I appreciate personally, 
you know, and if you have a good argument, come back. You know, it's dialogue. It's discussion. It's okay. But we're not going to be everything to everyone. And it's, it's unfortunate because I see, you know, such benefit to these groups. But, of course, I'm biased because, you know. PSA, kiddies. <laughs> PSA. The, our groups and college universities don't exist to make you comfortable or safe. They <laughs> no, exist to not. challenge your ideas. Mm -hmm. They exist to put your feet and hold your feet to the fire. If you have an opinion, you have to justify it. Um, there's no, there's no side rooms with coloring books here. And, and if you're going to sit there and try and to, you're going to get mad because you're defending your version of Chinese medicine, like my take on Chinese medicine, I'm like, there's no take on Chinese medicine. <laughs> like, again, there's a standard it's Chinese medicine. Think about like, do you think, are you going to go to China and you're going to see them practicing this way in the hospital, like your way in the hospitals? No. Mm -mm. No, absolutely not. And that's the whole thing. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a Shanghan Loon practitioner, if you're a Wenbing practitioner, if you're a, you know, a triple burner, just pattern discriminations, or you're using Zhang Fu. It doesn't matter. All of those are well-rounded versions, or I shouldn't even say versions. They are all just part of Chinese medicine that's accepted. Right. It's only when people start pulling in these weird outside practices that don't have any historical place in Chinese medicine, mixing functional medicine, mixing lab tests, mixing, um, you know, uh, Yoga. applied kinesiology or, or mixing, you know, <laughs> other systems. Yeah. I mean, other systems of medicine, because each system of medicine is a system and it works and is internally consistent. But if you're pulling a sprinkle of native American medicine and you're also putting a dollop of Ayurveda, mm -hmm. you, you're not, it's, these systems don't work together. Yeah, each one of them are brilliant and complete in their own way. But if you try to be the master of everything, you're never, you're going to end up getting, it's the paralysis of analysis. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ayurvedic intake is going to draw you to this conclusion. You know, if you're going to do some more traditional medicine intake, it's going to draw you to this conclusion. If you do Chinese medicine or, or Japanese medicine, it's going to draw that conclusion. And then you're going to be sitting there not sure what to do. So you're doing a little, you know, a little abdominal acupuncture, you know, mixed with some applied kinesiology. And then like some essential oils on kidney three mm. followed by, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's so confusing and how do you really, more importantly, know what what's working well, or yeah. what's right. not working? Yeah, so, Chin Chinese medicine is not like a buffet. <laughs> it's not like a loaded baked potato. You can't just start adding things onto it and think it's, it's just right. going to work. You use the right rule for the job. <laughs> and make it better. It's not going to make it better. You yes. know? Like sometimes Shang Han Lun is appropriate. Sometimes Wen Bing is appropriate. Sometimes using a Zhang Fu perspective is appropriate. Sometimes a five element perspective is appropriate. These are all fully accepted versions of Chinese medicine that we all practice. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. It's like, I think there's this idea that, I mean, everybody wants to have their own personality into their practice, inject that, or have their own way, but it doesn't require that much. Like, you know, I'm special because I do it this way. Learn the basics. Get that down. Learn Chinese medicine. Just use Chinese medicine, and you'll see the power of it. Not only that, but also, the um, speaking of lab tests, you can still use lab tests. People do it. I mean, Sandra posted uh, in the group uh, a while back about an RA patient. The RA markers just went completely away. Right. That's mm -hmm. a perfect example using of when medicine. using a lab yeah. test is okay. All you're trying to do is track the progression of a chronic disease, mm -hmm. and that shows that Chinese medicine is working. But I guarantee you Sandra's not basing her treatment, or plant, treatment right. on any of those labs. Yeah. I wanted to go to Becky quick. Wasn't there a time where... 
you were holding someone's feet to the fire because they were talking about acupuncture being applied once a month and they had some technique. And oh, yeah. Kept, this was an interesting case. <laughs> I, re- I remember it was fascinating. Because the, the original question was about like treatment frequency. Yeah. And someone came back with, you know, because most people were saying like, oh, you know, two, three times a week at the beginning. You know, you know, basically like more frequent at the beginning and then you start tapering down. And, you know, that's really like any acupuncture studies. That's how they are, too. And then you go to China, you know, you know, this is how, you know, treatment frequency is, you know, it's a lot of the beginning, just like any kind of dosage, higher dosage at the beginning and you start tapering down. And this person was just like um, multiple times a week. It's just too expensive for the patient. All you really need is like one, like, you know, I treat patients once a month. And we're like, what? And then she's arguing back, like, um, well, you know, that's just, it's just a different approach. And I'm like, I, okay, well, if you are privy to this approach to this medicine where you can treat someone once a month and get, you know, huge results, then it's your obligation to share with us, you know, because this is, you know, going against all studies that have been yeah. done and like, and she just, all of our clinical experience, all of our clinical no. experience. Right. So if you're privy to this, like wondrous <laughs> treatment approach that only you understand, then you're, you have an obligation to your field to, to share that. Sure. And, and then she just shut down the conversation saying like, I'm done here. Cause if you don't share it, it, you're well, just a dick. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know. We, and this is coming from, you know, a four and a half year forum of just, you know, sharing. Right. right. It's, it's like when people say, or in a thread and they're like, oh, private message, I'll private message you. Oh, that you know, drives I'll me DM nuts. You. It's yeah, like, like, oh, I need help, with, you know, I, like on how, oh, I have the answer for you. Just DM me. I'm like, how about you share it to the forum? You know what that, you know what I see when I see that? Right. DM me means that I'm, I'm not going to share anything that's actually Chinese medicine with you. Yeah. Yeah. Or I have something to sell you. Yeah. You know, I have something that I'm going to try to, because why would you not share it on the forum? Yeah. That you're going to, you're going to put something out there that's going to then be criticized and peer reviewed yeah. by your, by your colleagues right. and mm-hmm. to say, that's bullshit. Or yeah. you're not confident in your actual treatment and you don't want to put it out there and then have it come back, you know, have yeah. it be wrong or something like that. Have people, you know. Because why would you not want to share it? I would right, want exactly. to know, too. If I was, at, I mean, any any suggestions I've made, if they don't work, I would want my colleagues to come back and be like, yo, I tried that. Didn't do shit. First thing we're going to do is make sure your diagnosis was right. Right. Of right. course. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then if it didn't work. Then we have to come up with a different strategy. Maybe the maybe the case was a little more nuanced than you were first let on. Sure, you know? sure. I yeah. mean, it's not the herb's fault, and it's. I mean, it could be a mistake that I made, but it could just as easily be a mistake that you made. Yeah, you know, well, and no two people are exactly the same. That's sure. why I'm always a little hesitant. Most of the time, what you'll see if you notice any case studies that I hop in on, what I'll do is systematically work through the case and show you the patterns that I'm seeing. But I rarely actually recommend herbs. Because I know that I don't have the full picture in front of me. I know mm-hmm. that the patient isn't there. There's nuances that you may be missing. All I'm helping you do is systematically work through and make sure that you're on the right track. But in terms of recommending herbs, that's really not what, it's not the most important part for me. Anybody can look up the medicinals um, or choose medicinals for their own reasons that will work. My biggest concern is making sure the diagnosis is right. Yeah, it's the biggest, most important thing is yeah. the diagnosis. By far. By far. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's been quite a ride. It has. It has. But, you know, I think we, we just, we have to keep going. We can't stop. We have to keep the groups going. We have to keep the dialogue. We have to keep, and I, I you know, there are a lot of people who 
don't want to post, what do you, don't worry about being wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you're afraid, if you're afraid to colossally fail, mm-hmm. um, crash and burn in front of your colleagues, well, I mean, wouldn't you rather do it there than in front of your patients? <laughs> I mean, that's my advice to you is right. you can't, medicine's not for the weak of heart. It's not for the timid. Being a physician is for people who are really, really highly educated and really, really brave. Mm-hmm. You can't be a coward and practice medicine. Yeah. And I think that there's this over this, it, people can be overly zealous to offer advice. We actually had an ad, a, a, like a post that was for, what was it for the endometriosis web, um, yes. webinar package thing, that bundle that you have. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and Matt does the advertising and marketing and he opened it up with a, with a question about I have I have an endometriosis patient dot 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 or something like that. Oh, I have an endometriosis patient coming in soon. What do I do? Yeah, and uh, then, that was all in quotations. Yes, right. And that, and that and then underneath that was you know the rest of the post was a very obvious advertisement bundle. for yeah. like, the endometriosis this, webinar. Right. He, like, he led with a question to grab yeah. attention. A question that comes up so often where it's like. You know, how someone, do I treat? how do I treat this? And then Western yes, disease, how do I treat this Western disease? And then one sentence, no information. And people went into that post and <laughs> actually commented advice. Questions. They were answering. They were answering. Yeah. To, you did not read any of this. Yeah. You read the first question and then thought that you had an answer. Right. I mean, how, I'm I mean, sorry, but how the rest of the post was no, like, Four paragraphs, too, and they didn't even bother reading it because if they kept reading, they would have realized this was an advertisement for a webinar. Not a case study. To teach you how to properly reframe the Western (laughs) disease of endometriosis into Chinese medicine patterns and treat them. Instead, they just saw the first line. I have have an endometriosis patient coming in. What do I do? And they jumped and dove to the comments because it's so important to be right. It yeah, was so yeah, poetic. Yeah, you gotta be the first. It was. So, it was. It was perfect. It was so poetic, and I and I just I I, I yeah. kind of wanted to like comment on that and be like, everyone who has answered the question are you are all the people that need to be taking this class <laughs> because, like, because <laughs> you really screwed that. <laughs> oh, it was so great. I I actually just laughed. It, it was just it was. I love poetry when yes. I see it in motion. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of those moments where I was like, this is absolutely perfect. That was so great because yeah. Matt was like, they're actually answering the question. Matt messaged, Matt messaged me. He said, hey, people on Accus on Facebook are actually answering the advertisement. Like it's a question. <laughs> like it's an actual case. Like, if like you, it's a if case. you read the second line, you would it, immediately like see you? that it's not at all a case or a question. Oh my oh, God. Oh, it was gold. It was gold. But, you know, again, if acupuncturists on Facebook is the standard for the profession, then we have to press on shoulder to the wheel yeah. for mm-hmm. the next several decades yeah. because yeah. we're in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why it's I can one only, of the main reasons we do what we do. I can only imagine if like, you know, an outside a physician from outside the field happened to get onto that group and read what was going on, what they must think of. Cause that's a representation of our field and, and they must go on there and be like, wow, like yeah. these people think they're doctors. Like it's an, it's, an absolute, <laughs> yeah. it's an absolute embarrassment. You can talk about, uh, say what you will about mainstream, mainstream medicine, Western medicine, but you go to your physician, you go to your primary care, do you think he's going to be like, oh, what's your what's your complaint? Oh, here this, here's this. 
Now, some of them are too quick to prescribe antibiotics and things like that. We get that. But if you actually have an issue, say, with your vision, they're not just going to throw out a guess. They're going to run tests. They're going to refer you out to a specialist. Get a diagnosis. diagnosis, (laughs) A working diagnosis, then followed by, you know, to rule things out. And here's the thing. That's the truth of Chinese medicine, too. Right. Is that no one expects you to be right the first time. It's it's about having an intelligent and working diagnosis. Right? So as long as the diagnosis you arrive at in the beginning when the patient is new is based on and rooted in intelligent, systematic thinking and prescribing, you're never going to be too far off. The no. next time they might show up and they may say, well, it actually got a little bit worse. And you can say, okay, that's fine. I thought it might have gone one of two ways. It clearly was this other thing, but you had it narrowed down. You're not way off. Right. right. And, and neither generally will your MD be way, way off. They're not treating your toe if your eye hurts, (laughs) right? And for us, it's the same thing. If we're systematic in our thinking and our diagnostic process, we're always going to be in the area we should be. Mm -hmm. When you skip steps or you start treating Western diseases with Chinese medicine before you've turned it into a Chinese medicine pattern, Mm -hmm. that's when you're going to create iatrogenesis. That's when you're going to have all sorts of side effects and other problems. Yeah, this is also um, true with acupuncture because we see that with acupuncture. You know, I did back pain. And he did these points. What's your, like, what was your assessment? And you can, now, what we like to do is we we prefer actually, we don't treat pain with internal medicine type, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, TCM pattern diagnosis. We treat pain with orthopedic diagnosis. It's just, I don't know about you, but I spent 12 years doing it the TCM way, and it sucks for pain. You know, yeah, people will disagree with you, but if you actually objectively measure it, then you'll see that the way to go with acupuncture is, you know, physical assessment, differential diagnosis of pain, why the pain's happening, that sort of thing. So once those cases come up, you know, I did all, I did all these distal points and it hasn't touched. Okay, what's the pain from? And then you get, again, you get into the case a little bit more. Okay, the pain's referring. Where is it referring to? What part of the leg? With what test? How's the straight leg raise? Things like that. All really good learning opportunities, and that's that's really what the groups are for. I would say even from an, as a non-acupuncturist myself, but a CMTWer from the beginning um, and watching the evolution of this, um, while I do believe that herbal medicine and internal medicine um, is coming up more in terms of its representation on CMTW, mm-hmm. I think that the acupuncture game brought by Anthony Lombardi if I were to ever get back into acupuncture and orthopedics, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. And also with Matt and Adam doing trigger point needling, mm-hmm. um, those those are just without a doubt the most effective things I've ever seen. I mean, you know, living with Becky and seeing what her work is capable of mm-hmm. um, produces things I've never seen before in terms of relief, in terms of range of motion increase. These are just again coming at, from just purely an observation perspective. I think that I think those classes are game changers. Well. Um, Becky, you specialize in orthopedics. What was your, what changed your game? Like what really upped your game when you decided to, obviously did the patients coming in kind of drive you to specialize in that? I mean, I know with us, we tend to specialize in what we see the most of. It's always been, well, so my, my going way, way back before Chinese medicine school, um, my undergrad degree is in exercise physiology. Oh, okay. So, and so my intention originally was to be a PT. Hmm. And then... Um, that and got dry needling. 
<laughs> right. So I you took the long route. By here. the time I so by the time I graduated, like you know, got through four years of my undergrad, like the PT field had just exploded, hmm. and it got really saturated really fast. And so I had to kind of think about if this was really truly the the field I wanted to get into, um, because it wasn't such a rapidly growing field as it was before. And you know, I, I had to do my due diligence, ask some people people that were PTs at the time, and 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 whatnot. And um, you know, because also the schooling was getting a lot more expensive. Oh, and yeah. so, um, you know, and I actually did speak to a bunch of people that were PTs, and they were actually trying to get out of the field because it just wasn't. What they thought, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, um, they kind of got up in the hype and, and, and so I just had to be, be responsible about, you know, really considering it. And so, um, you know, I held off on applying to any schools. I did kind of a bunch of other things, but, um, that were not even healthcare related. Um, but then when I started, um, think, um, rethinking going back to PT school, that was when I actually discovered acupuncture. I just kind of stumbled on it. So, um, make a long story short, my always, my intention from the very beginning and my interest has always lied in physical medicine Mm. in orthopedics. So that's where it kind of, but as I learned, you know, in Chinese medicine, you can teach, you know, you can be a general practitioner and I, I became really interested in, in internal conditions as well. Um, but it eventually just started guiding me to orthopedics again, like where, you know, that's just where I naturally gravitated to, because I think that's just always where my heart, you know, my heart always lied. So I think that's just also like my interests and also my general knack. Like I just have mm-hmm. a general, you know, I'm, I'm generally an athletic person. I've always, you know, it's just where I gravitate to. So um, I actually had to get it over that fear of, of finally deciding to specialize. Mm. Um, but as I discovered in what I talked about before, even though I was a specialist in orthopedics, I was still getting some of those internal medicine people where I could still keep my herbal game, my herbal yeah. practice up. So it is possible to do both. It is possible to do both. I mean, the strength was in one space and then it, it, actually I was kind of making it harder on myself because, you know, herbal medicine it's not like it's a totally separate medicine, but mm-hmm. you almost kind of like the, you do have to put a good amount of time into that as well to be a competent practitioner. So, well, yeah, So I'm just, you yeah. know, going along with my general theme of making things a lot harder than they need to be. It's like my motto. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's many CM practitioners. Yeah. Motto. <laughs> many people in life. <laughs> Just make things harder than it needs to be. Yeah. I always say, like, you know, things are so easy. We keep tr- trying to figure out ways to make it harder. Oh, yeah. You have yeah. to really <laughs> complicate it. You know, it's like, what's the um, Chinese medicine is complex yet simple? Yeah. There's there's an actual saying. Well, it was, I think John Shen said that it's, like, relatively easy to learn but very difficult to practice. Right. In that sense that, you know, you can you can learn the basics of it pretty quickly. Right. But in terms mm-hmm. of practicing it, it's... It's, it's very challenging. Whereas, right. you know, I think the other half of that statement from John Shen was that Western medicine is very difficult to study mm-hmm. in terms of getting into school and then the, the, the murderous the curriculum. curriculum they put you through. Mm-hmm. But then once you get out, in, in many ways, it's cookbook. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was, you know, it was an interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what we see. And we're just going to try to keep, keep moving on. Yep. Keep getting the how's the how's TCM gynecology going? 
strong, Good. really strong. Yeah, we have we have really big growth. We have a ton of engagement. Um, we have people posting case studies that are beautiful. So if you want to check out beautiful case presentations, uh, TCM Gynecology Facebook group is really great. Building a website now. We've got lots of content coming out in terms of webinars. Uh, we've got a few live seminars coming up uh, through CMTW and through TCM Gynecology independently. So um, really excited about the direction things are going, for sure. Dr. White. What's up with Dr. White? You work with, she's yeah. an MD. Yeah, Dr. OB. White, Dr. Lorena White. She's an MD, uh, OBGYN, and she's a reproductive endocrinologist. She has a practice in Virginia. And what's really cool about Dr. White is that in addition to that, she's a fully qualified Chinese medicine physician as well. Mm. So she does acupuncture and she does Chinese herbal medicine and she does raw herbs for her patients. So she is a beautiful segue in terms of validating from an outside, from a patient perspective, when mm -hmm. they come to see her for infertility or gynecological problems, she tends to go toward the Chinese medicine route first. Right. And they trust her because of her credentials and what that lends uh, itself to in our culture and her agreeing to come on TCM gynecology and to co-teach classes has been fantastic because she can shed so much more light on the Western aspects of things that, you know, even the best trained Chinese medicine specialist doesn't necessarily know everything that an RE knows. Right. And mm -hmm. so it's really great. And she's so generous with her time. So it's been really great working with her. One of the things that, um, I was checking out on the, I'm noticing on the groups lately is this idea that because you don't allow any Western medicine to enter the realm of Chinese medicine diagnosis, that oh well, you got to you got to know the Western medicine. You have to know, you know, and yeah. you're not saying that at all. You're not no. saying don't understand the Western med, which I think Doctor White actually is really. That's another reason she's yeah. really good to have on board. I think that people misunderstand me when I say that. Um, I tend to come off a little harder on that because people. Because of the culture that we're in and because most of us in the West are steeped in the biomedical sciences to begin with, from, from grade school through high school through college, right. it's so easy for us to fall back into the comfort zone of, of making it about biomedicine yeah. because it's easier than studying a whole new system of Chinese medicine, even though we spent years studying it. Right. We fall back on old habits. Um, I guess I would want to say clearly that Western biomedicine is absolutely critical to know because it tells you about disease progress. It tells you whether a disease will be life-threatening, whether it will be chronic, whether it will be acute, the mm -hmm. likely course it will take, whether it's something that will kill a patient in the long run or something that they're just going to have to live with. Mm -hmm. That's what Western diseases tell you. It's like a natural history of the way that this is going to progress. And Western medicine is unbelievably good at that. Mm -hmm. It knows that when a disease starts, it tends to do this, followed by this, followed by this. And when you encounter a patient, it's good to know where they are in that process. So it's not that I'm saying don't talk about Western medicine. It's about me trying to facilitate a discussion about Chinese medicine. Yeah. And when they come in with the Western medicine guns blazing, we tend to get focused on that too much. And so I decided to say, okay, you can say they have endometriosis. You can say they have um, you know, chocolate cysts. You can say they have uterine fibroids. That's fine. But then immediately in my group, I want them to come back and focus on what that means in Chinese medicine so that we can get to the treatment principles, the patterns, and the herbs in order to help them the way that we help patients. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, too, is, you know, there are a lot of questions we see, which is, this is this is more understandable, you know, where, okay, what patterns, what, let me have it, um, what Western medical diagnosis, what patterns cover that Western, like, 
You know what I mean? Yeah, for example, you know, we just went over endometriosis, so a perfect example of that. Endometriosis. We know from a Western perspective, it's the presence of endometrial tissue right. outside of the endometrium that's basically migrated to different parts of the body, set up shop, and ultimately responds to the monthly flux and cycle of hormones. Right. And so it will proliferate, and it will ultimately shed, die off, shed, and, and bleeding will occur. causes all sorts of problems. And from that perspective, that's the Western biomedical understanding of it, and that's fine. From a Chinese medicine perspective, we have to ask a little bit more specific questions. For instance, you say you have endometriosis. What does that mean? For instance, we start to say, um, do you have painful menstruation? Yes. Okay. Do you have heavy menstruation? Because that often accompanies it. Are right. you suffering from infertility? That's also something that... And then weirder presentations of endometriosis that are a bit rarer, like you know, menstrual nosebleeds or, or bleeding in, in urine during the menses as this tissue is responding. Either way... All of those things can easily become Chinese medicine disease categories. Heavy menstruation, painful menstruation, infertility, all are Chinese medicine disease categories that have a finite number of patterns that might be right, responsible right. for them. So the re, what Bob Floss called reframing, the idea of taking a Western disease, turning it into the Chinese medical diseases, and then from there discriminating the patterns that drive those Chinese medical diseases. Oh, nice. So there's the an extra step, step in there. The step Not an extra reframing. step. Just a step. Yes. That I'm just you can do it with anything. Now. You can do it with my doctor says I have bronchitis. Okay, fine. Bronchitis doesn't mean anything in Chinese medicine. What are your signs and symptoms? I have a cough. Is it a dry cough or a wet cough? It's a wet cough. Are you expectorating sputum? Yes. What color is it? Yellow. You know what I mean. You go down the line. Right. Are you also running a fever? You would ask relevant questions that would help you determine the Chinese medical pattern. Right. You know, right. Right. But you can't. So you don't jump from bronchitis to that next step. You jump from bronchitis to the Western disease. Or, I'm sorry, to the Eastern or Chinese medicine disease. Um, uh, Rebecca. Hmm. I almost called you Becky. That's okay. That's okay? I mean, well, you know. I'm not sorry. Your family. Your family. Okay. It's, okay. Uh, it's Rebecca. Um, you hear that, everybody? Yeah. Josh's family. <laughs> for better or for worse. Family. Sorry about that. Ugh. You're stuck. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's just not Ugh. nice at all, actually. <laughs> um, what... Projects do you have coming up? You got something coming up, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, well, it's still in the works. Oh, you're so, he's, Michael is raising his arms over his head. He's been wanting me to do this for a long time, but it's kind of, it's a little, it, it's not necessarily Chinese medicine related, but I am focusing it towards this field because I, well, I mean, it is something that's important kind of for everyone. And I think everyone needs this, but I'm obviously going to focus it towards, the community that I'm in, mm -hmm. um, and the profession that I'm in, but, um, I'm working on a financial coaching, um, pro uh, program, uh, whether I haven't figured out what the, <laughs> what that's going to be, if it's going to be a webinar, a class, coaching, whatever it is, but, um, financial, not advising because you have to be licensed for that. This is financial coaching. Um, and, Really what it is, is, uh, so many people are struggling both in business and in their personal life with finances in the sense of being disorganized really mainly, mm. um, coming to the end of the month and running out of money, um, getting surprised, like not, what is it? I like 76% of people in this country are living paycheck to paycheck, which means if they, for whatever reason, don't receive one paycheck, 
then things will just start going off the rails. Like mm. major issues will happen. So people aren't prepared for, you know, life essentially. <laughs> so, yeah. um, cause stuff happens. Um, our cars break down. We need, you know, we need new tires. We, um, whatever it is, we have a health issue. We have to do a, a minute, you know, a trip to the doctor that was unexpected, whatever it is. Do you, do um, you think that there's this tendency, I mean, because in this field, there aren't many opportunities to work for someone. People then go into business for themselves. I was not a good business owner back in the day. Do you think that there is a, um, a tendency for this field to have a lot of financial mismanagement or just because you're overwhelmed with now I have to worry about my overhead for the practice and then, okay, well I'm covering my bills, but then I didn't really take into account my personal bills that also have to be right. when, and how that factors into what you should be charging. Are you, are you, are you going to get into a little bit of that as well about, Hey, here's what, your practice financial as part of your practice should look like? Um, yes. Uh, again, it comes back to organization, mm. creating a budget. Right. Um, sounds so simple. But I know it sounds so simple. A budget for personal a budget for business. Well, it's also uncomfortable because it's a lot of reality checks. It is like, Oh shit, I can't keep charging $30 a treatment. Right. Cause I want to be the savior of the world. And you know, and right. I can tell you just firsthand, I was like, basically Becky's first client. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that. I mean, I thought I was one of those people who thought, oh, no, I just keep it in my head. Yeah. I, I know where my finances are. And then I would be surprise after surprise after surprise. She got me on a zero-based budget about, mm -hmm. what, five months ago, six months ago we started? It's been so awesome because I know exactly where my money goes. Right. I, I can make it work for me. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's easy to be on a budget if you have a lot of money. Actually, it's like Becky always talks about. It's so much more important to be on a budget if you have less money yeah. because you realize, you know, where you're blowing money that you shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. and, and it does set you at a really significant disadvantage. I don't want to take this away from Becky. Just I can say personally, that was an eye-opening experience to be able to look at my budget and know where all my money was going and there were no surprises. Yeah, that's, that's a big the one. best thing. And, and pretty much all of us. I mean, the majority of us are all solo practitioners mm -hmm. and running our own show. And so with that, we all have inconsistent income, yeah. you know, it's not a steady paycheck every month. Um, so it's that with that, it's even more important to be organized, really understand where, like how much you're coming in, where your money is going, mm -hmm. um, telling it where to go, um, mm. instead of it the other way around. Um, where you end up surprised and um, short. And because, you know, just the nature of, you know, business too. We have good months. We have bad months. We need to be able to be prepared for that. Um, so all, all those struggles because I've been there. And on top of that, I'm also debt-free. Um, I've paid off my student loans and um, all of my – I didn't have – yeah, in all of my debt um, – and there was a system to it, you know, just like Michael keeps speaking about diagnosis. You need to have a systematic treatment like way to diagnose and come up with a formulated treatment plan. There is a system to it. And if you can follow that, then everything just, you know, does fall into place. And with the, you know, when life happens, you're also prepared. You're not caught with your pants down and which oh, is, yeah. you know, and, and people think of a, you know, people think of a budget when they think about all this stuff, their eyes glaze over and they think it's really restrictive and they think it's, you know, means like no fun and, you know, being, 
you know, but really in the end, it, it's actually creates more freedom mm-hmm. because again, you, you have that confidence that you're not going to be caught with your pants down. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've really, um, having implemented that into my own personal life and, um, extending it towards my business, you know, I mean, I can keep going on and about this, but you know, I've had a lot of really interesting, I have an interesting year. So, um, with a lot of, I had no idea what the hell was going to be yeah. happening and what was going on. Now you're facing one, a different budget. <laughs> one thing, one thing though, that I was never, um, worried about was really was money yeah. was, and you know, yeah. So, so, can yeah. I just add one thing? I, the one thing that I that I was so psyched about, and it was such a simple concept, but it was such a good feeling, and I think that a lot of people out there will relate to this. I went on vacation recently, and I had a budget for my vacation. Mm-hmm. So when I got back, I didn't have to say, oh, oh crap, boy, I've got to really make up now yeah. for this, because it was it was saved and paid for, mm-hmm. it's, and it didn't affect... My, my checking account was exactly the way I left it right. when yeah. I left, because like, I had had... That was... That was like bonkers to me. Yeah. You know, because most I'd people come back. Trips and I was like, oh God, I'm going to pay for this. I put it on a credit card. This was actually saved and paid for yeah. because of budgeting. Yeah. Most people come back from vacation. They're like, oh, I just came back from vacation. I'm broke. Yeah. It's like, well, that's She can't like, understand that. Not and ideal. now I can't either because it's like, mm-hmm. well, then I, I don't want to say don't take a vacation, but it's like really plan for your vacation so that it's not a stressful time for you. Yeah. But I, I think it's also really going back to this issue of what to charge for treatment. Mm-hmm. I mean, the and numbers, numbers don't lie. No. You know, um, if you, you know, <laughs> if you were to really take a hard look at it, you would realize I have to make a choice. Either I plan on living broke, right? Which is what a lot of us have resolved to mm-hmm. in this field. We've mm-hmm. decided, yeah, we've been told you can't live comfortably. We've been told you need a second or third income. Just, which is just insanity. We've been guilted into making money off of this field. How, how can you be a decent practitioner if you're always stressed about money, if you're always broke, if you can't afford to get books or continuing education or just live in peace? Also, it's going to compromise your treatment of your patients. Absolutely. Because you're Absolutely. going to either be overcharging them because you need money mm-hmm. or, you know, a lot of times people undercharge because they are shopping out of their own pocket. That's, that was just right. going to say that. I mean, you're shopping out of your own pocket. Do you think that that might compromise patient care? Yeah, it's unethical right. in my opinion. It, it can get to that because, you know. Trying to save you, the patient money on herbs? Go, let's get right. these inferior herbs right. for you. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, trying to, exactly. Yeah. Like that. Or, you know, feeling that pressure of every patient coming in and, like, seeing them as dollar signs. You know what I mean? You don't want that Not, either. You don't want that either. Yeah. And um, that's a whole other ethical component. Mm-hmm. Um so really understanding, like, you know, you, you have to find that sweet spot mm. of where you're going to be able to make a comfortable living um, without the stress of, like, overhead. I mean, I just moved here from Boston. Talk about really exp- My overhead was $3,500 a month for my office. <laughs> <laughs> just, for, just for your office. Just for my office, yeah. Do you feel a, a degree of, like, wow, I feel freer now or... Now that, like, I'm, now that I'm here? Now that you're this is like a whole oh. separate podcast. Oh, there's a whole other separate podcast. <laughs> Jesus. our philosophy on how yes. to approach life. Yeah, that's a, whole other, that's a whole other thing, but yes. But it's brought yeah. some degree of that, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and here's the thing. I mean, kind of having that pressure, um, 
I, I really feel like it contributed to my burnout. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it's hard. And now, you know, you learn lessons every time you do something, you learn a lesson from it. And mm-hmm. if, you know, if when I'm start up another practice, like I know what mm-hmm. to do, what not to do, no, yeah. you know, um, but anyways, um, but a lot of it will come down to, you know, being financially sound and smart yeah. and responsible. And you can only do that if you actually know where you stand. That managing inconsistent income. I don't know. One of you mentioned that before. I was, I was that's thinking key. that's really what something right. like Becky's program really can address for people mm-hmm. who are in the, the field that we're in. The ability to manage inconsistent income is a skill that, that she can help with. Yeah, because it it is specific to this. It's general in a sense, but it's also specific to this field. Right. And yes, it's it's something that we all struggle with. And it's actually one of the reasons, uh, one of the biggest reasons why people, or excuses why people say like they can't keep a budget. Mm-hmm. Like they can't do a budget, like hold a budget for themselves is right. because, well, I have an inconsistent income. I'm like, mm, like that's, it's so much more important <laughs> than like, you, why you, need one. like yeah. you need to be way more organized if you don't have that steady paycheck, expected paycheck. That's the same every single time. And you know, a lot of the people, I mean, this is one of the satisfying parts of what we do is the emails and the messages and the feedback from people that are, you know, say, wow, these skills have changed my practice. i now have doubled my practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I have more patience. I'm getting better results, more referrals. Mm-hmm. Technique does matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, you know, there's a saying that, you know, basically there's this idea that you can be an average practitioner, really good at business and you can have a very busy practice that be that as it may, why would you want to be an average practitioner? Obviously if your skills are good and you're up on your skills, you're, you're going to also be a great business person. Well then hell now you're going to have even more. Um, so I don't buy that. It doesn't matter the skills. It doesn't matter your level of, of, you know, and there are some States that don't even require continuing education, which is including this insane one. to me now. New York, yeah, it doesn't even have a requirement for continuing ed, which is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, and it's not, um, yes, it's, it's definitely, um, I'm biased because, that CNTW is continuing education company, but it's because I through continuing education was woken up like you were and probably um, Rebecca too. I'm sure that, Oh my God, there are, there are techniques and there are like techniques that work. Mm -hmm. And this medicine is powerful. I just never saw that in school. Well, so many of us graduated thinking, you know, that it was, a lot less than it really is. Yeah. And occasionally, you know, things like Dr. Tan and Master Tung and, um, you know, Jimmy Chang and people like that, that really open your eyes to the possibilities. Yeah. And now, you know, with Dr. Lombardi and Matt and Adams, and these, these programs are incredible. So the financial piece that would come coming back around is, okay, you're addressing the health of your clinic skills, you know, your abilities, you know, your, your knowledge. What about the financial part of it too? Because in your, home life. in your home life, yeah, your your happiness as a yeah. practitioner and then also as an individual. Because imagine having all those skills and then still struggling, because you don't know where you're at. So, for I think this is a really important way to round out the kind of one of the a group of objectives of CMTW, and and making you know practitioners healthier all around. So, yeah, I think that'll be um, 
That's going to be awesome when you finally get your button gear and do it. <laughs> we'll come in too and talk about the downsize lifestyle, the downsizing to freedom, the minimalist lifestyle oh, yeah. that we live. Because mm-hmm. um, time is a have. commodity, right? Time's the most valuable commodity, mm-hmm. and it's a non renewable resource, and it will never, in turn, especially as we get a little bit older, as I enter my 40s, I could care less about stuff, never mm-hmm. really have. Um, but now I have a partner who's very much in the same boat and have, being on board with that and, and having this downsized lifestyle very deliberately yeah. to give us the freedom that we want, which is time to do the things that we care about. One of which is, um, you know, TCM gynecology is something that I would do if I had $5 million in the bank. I mm-hmm. love doing it. It's a passion. It's something that I love. I love teaching classes and, you know, downsizing has allowed me to do that a lot more, yeah. which is wonderful. Yeah. Very cool. So, check out TCM Gynecology Facebook group if you're not already on it. Check it out. What else do you have going on? You have a we're building a new website. It's not up yet, but it will. It's a TCM dash gy. Is it TCM dash gyn dot com? I, I couldn't get Maybe how many URLs are yeah, already URLs. taken. <laughs> so the, it will be in the next in the next month. So it's currently what November first today. So in the next couple of weeks, TCM dash gyn dot com will be up, and that will have. You know, upcoming live webinars and some information about the seminars, things of that nature. It's a very simple website, but it's there to make sure, you know, that you guys have access to everything we're doing and can keep track of things. Uh, we'll do a blog on there, I think, nice. as well. Um, is Sean helping you with that? Uh, he actually is going to be. He's not on yet because I'm handling with these things, but he will be. Nice. Yeah. 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 Awesome. It's exciting. There's a lot going on. It's a well, really fun, kinetic time right now. Yeah, and thank God you have uh, Rebecca to temper you. Yes. You know, one thing that it's funny because Michael's always talking about Bob Flaws is really like, you know, direct and this and that, and you know, Bob Flaws this, and you know how he how he worked with people and people sometimes he rubbed them the wrong way. And I'm thinking you are Bob Flaws, basically. (laughs) Why are you not acknowledging that? (laughs) But with Rebecca there to temper you, she is definitely my better half. Yeah, <laughs> although she's a troublemaker as well, so let's not. She yeah. is, but I'm let's very not kill ourselves. <laughs> yes, this is good. I want to have you back on. Lots to talk about. Absolutely. So, yeah, one of the things I want to do is um, get a bunch of um, examples on Facebook of what we're talking about mm-hmm. when we say, "Hey, here's a case that was you know not presented. Mm-hmm. Here's what you could have done." Mm-hmm. And really start helping people understand, like, what we're trying to get accomplished on Facebook Mm -hmm. and why these things are not acceptable. And I think there will be more of an understanding when we do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, and then I think it will really come to light, you know, when when we're talking about quality of, of, of conversation, what we're talking about. But, you know, anybody that's on the group on uh, Chinese Medicine that works or TCM Gynecology, um, we actually had a bunch of posts. In the past couple of days, it's great. Keep posting, keep watching. You know, yeah, lurking, as you say. It was funny, <laughs> just to, as an example of what you were saying. Um, I had a history professor who, you know, was really big. I think that's part of it. Is just my education in history. You always had to back up everything you said. Right. Every statement you made needed to be referenced to mm-hmm. a source mm-hmm. uh, before you could move to the next one. And the magic words in history as a discipline and medicine, especially, are for example. Right. Right. So when we're presenting a case study, we talk about all of these things, but it would be great to say, for example, when the, when this practitioner presented this way, 
a clearer and cleaner way would have been this way. So right. we can definitely work on that. Yeah, and I think that there was a lot of bashing. I think there was a terrible reputation of Facebook groups as a whole. And uh, I think there are some people that want it to be, you know, everything to everyone, a utopia that's just not possible. I mean, we're going to have... Um, we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have, you know, we're not going to be palatable to everyone. But what we're trying to accomplish is a great educational format. Yep, absolutely. And so that, you know, I think we have um, an idea of what that takes, you know. Yeah, we're on, seasoned at this point. We yeah. know. And we're one of the things that CMTW and TCM Gynecology, just us as practitioners, we're really good at is identifying areas where people are stuck. Right. And trying to fix those problems. So even if we're tough on people, it's always coming from a desire to make things better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never coming from a desire to be dicks. No. And the thing is, is that one of the things about the seminars is, or the webinars, we're always looking at what can be done better. How can this information be presented better? No, not We're not going to do what the status quo is. No. No. We're just not going to. So you can't. No, you can't. And you always have to say, like, okay, if... People aren't getting what they what we want them to to bring back to their clinic. Why is that? That's right. Is there a better way we can deliver this? Is there a better format? Mm-hmm. And we'll figure that out. Yeah. So that's it. I think we're good. Well, thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks that for coming on. Thanks for coming in the studio. My pleasure. Yeah. It's been a good time. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. We'll Finally do it again. Getting to use the equipment. I know. Yeah, this the is studio. the first full run. It's, it yeah, no, hopefully it actually took. <laughs> it's not recording that this entire suck. time. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Find the Chinese Medicine That Works podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Stitcher is just a general app that you can use for droids. Are they still calling, calling them droid phones? Samsung's, all those non iPhone. Um, yeah. People, but I have Stitcher on my iPhone, yeah, so I don't I even know why. I, I, I like. It. I think it's just nicer, easier to use than iTunes. But iTunes. check it out. We're streaming uh, there. This will be up in uh, probably within 24 hours. And uh, thanks for coming on. We're gonna need intro music. We have it. Oh wow. Oh yeah. No, we're not. We're not messing around here. So. <laughs> so professional. All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye guys. Bye. This was a Chinese Medicine That Works podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and free and paid content, visit AccuVids.com. And make sure to join our Facebook group. Just search Chinese Medicine That Works. Thank you all for listening.